0: hello there and welcome to the time machine with trish and mike i'm mike and i'm trish and we're glad you're with us once again for episode 19 Can you believe it?
1: I cannot. When we started this, I mean, we had the ambition of uh, going for as long as possible, but I'm really glad that our timeline and schedules really worked out, right? We were kind of, you know, when you have kids involved and COVID and jobs.
0: Yeah, you know, and when we first started this, it was kind of, you were still on Christmas break, so you had a lot easier schedule, and like I had most of Christmas the week between Christmas and New Year's off. So it was like I had a little Mm -hmm. more free time to kind of work on the show. And then as we started getting into our normal, as I use air quote, Mm
1: -hmm. lives,
0: uh, it started to kind of get a little, but we have successfully made it 19 shows in.
1: It's pretty crazy. Yeah, you guys are living definitely a little bit more normal in Florida, which is really weird to say. It's almost like an oxymoron. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there ain't nothing about Florida that is or ever will be normal. <laughs> but yes, it's um, It's it, it's it's kind of interesting. You say that I had a, a friend of mine from Colorado um, in town last week and we got to have get together and have dinner and she was a bit surprised at just how kind of say open or just how kind of florida was very um depending where you go you know masks Mm -hmm. are not maybe as just because i mean everybody's you know heard on the news kind of how florida's just (laughs) kind of wide open in a lot of ways but there are a lot of places like if you go to disney or something it's still very controlled it's still very Mm -hmm. you're wearing the mask you're distancing and all that your vaccination rate is quite high right uh, I think we're at like thirty something percent. Uh, That's pretty but,
1: good because I forget what the minimum is for herd immunity.
0: It's like seventy-two oh, percent or seventy-eight percent or something. Uh, but we're only um like I think at the last time I looked, we're like thirty-seventh out of fifty states. Florida is. Oh, in folks. terms of
1: getting vaccinations.
0: Yeah, we're. we're oh, not, uh, yeah.
1: There's, at least there's... you have vaccines.
0: Yes. You're slowly getting closer to having them, right?
1: Yeah. We keep getting news that there's shits coming and then things go wrong. And Alberta's butt's getting kicked pretty hard with the third wave. So we're, we're back on um, some lockdown measures. My school in particular is now um, on a two-week stay-at-home. So we're doing our distance learning for two weeks minimum.
0: I was just going to say, I remember you had mentioned that you were going back to doing the the remote learning.
1: Yeah, so we're at the end of almost the first week of remote learning, and then we'll see what happens at the end of next week. So on next week's episode, you will be here if we're going to go back or not. We'll see.
0: I gotcha. Yeah, they had just announced uh, last week here uh, for Orange County, our... um, requirements or whatever to go back to mask or to relieve the mask mandate so there's actually a plan but we're not anywhere quite to that level Mm. yet
1: right yeah everything has to add up into the perfect formula in order for us to go forward with those those types of plans
0: yeah exactly but But another day closer yes and we're another day closer to something that is something to look forward to especially for you and then That's it's right. this coming Sunday. Happy Mother's Day, Trish. Allow me to be one of the first to wish you Aww, happy Mother's Day. Aw, thank you,
1: Mike. I appreciate it. Yep, Mother's Day. So mothers around the world, well, most places in the world, I should I should state that, um, will be enjoying, you know, homemade breakfasts and cards and flowers and other lovely gifties. I'm sure on Sunday right? Uh, American incarnation of Mother's Day created by Anna Jarvis in 1908, but it's going to become an official U.S. holiday in 1914. And it's going to be adopted by Canada, which is actually kind of interesting because Mother's Day in the United Kingdom, which, you know, Canada being part of the Commonwealth, is always the fourth Sunday of Lent. So um, I believe it happened March 10th In the United Kingdom, I could be off on that date. I don't have it right in front of me. But they already had it, you know, a couple months ago. And now those of us in North America are going to be enjoying it. In Mexico, they actually celebrate it every year on May 10th. It doesn't matter what day May 10th falls on, if it's a Sunday or not. So So. coming up for them too next week.
0: See, I, I like it where it stays on but based on the week you know like like, because we did this in america back i think it was in i want to say it was the uniform monday holiday act of 1967 or 72 or something where they made all of the different holidays set to monday Uh, okay federal holidays that is so like memorial day labor day Uh, Martin Luther King day that sort of thing they just it was just easier Mm. rather than you'd have these random days throughout the week it's just yeah that you just have off every Monday right just set them to Mondays Mm -hmm. and so it became you know like Martin Luther King is the third Monday of January Memorial Day is the last Monday of May you know
1: that always makes sense then you can always bank on that time and right and even plan around it
0: know off the top of your head maybe what the date is, you at least know, okay, Mother's Day is in May. You know that the second Sunday in Mother's Day is May. The third Sunday in June is Father's Day. You know, Thanksgiving's the last Thursday in November. It just makes things a lot more smoother, and that way you don't have to really worry about, well, you know, now I get a Thursday off randomly or something.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's much better to have it set and then you can always plan um when things move around and you know i've shared that i grew up catholic so certain things follow a lunar calendar and then you never quite know when to plan so i like it when i know yeah this week it's going to be mother's day
0: right you know it's like christmas christmas is always the 25th and in turn, when you get that week between Christmas and New Year's, nobody ever knows what day anything is.
1: Yeah, know? no, you're like, like lost in time limbo.
0: It's like if Christmas is on a Wednesday, you have New Year's the following week on a Wednesday. And so it's like nobody you get. Because depending where you work, some places give you Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off. Mm -hmm. So then you might go to work Monday, then you're off Tuesday, Wednesday, then you go to work Thursday, Friday, and then now you're off Saturday and Sunday. Then you go to work. It just gets to be what? Where are we?
1: What's happening? And then you have to after New Year's, of course, then you have to worry about remembering to change the year on your dates, right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Go the first time when you go back to work or school or you know to teach kids or something, and you go to write a date. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, say it's January 5th or something like that when you finally go back. So you write 1, 5, 20, uh, yeah, scratch through it and put 21, you mm-hmm. know, or, or next year so be 22. Annoying. Yeah. But.
1: Yeah. But I like the fact that um, this holiday is created by, like I said, Anna Jarvis. And she actually actively worked later on in her life to remove it as a, as a holiday. She did not like the commercialization that the holiday uh, kind of, kind of like the big show that it had turned into, and just that companies were kind of utilizing it as marketing rather than an actual honoring of one's mother.
0: Oh, companies will always find ways to. Uh... Oh, always. I mean, so just roll it, with the punches. It's like there are people I know that specifically don't like Valentine's Day for that reason, because it's just a you know money grab by the greeting card company or the candy <laughs> companies. But to be fair. Pretty much all holidays have turned into that. You know, holidays Yeah, try to and name was,
1: one holiday that isn't. Right.
0: I mean, I don't know that, you know. Arbor Day. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think Hershey makes a special candy bar for Arbor Day, but, you know, I, you just, holidays are what you make them to be, mm-hmm. I think, you know, and Mother's Day, yeah, okay, you're going to go spend money on card and flowers and candy or whatever, but. I'm going to make an assumption your favorite thing to get for Mother's Day probably isn't a box of candy from your girls. You'd probably much rather have some hand-drawn picture from them or some sort of handprint thing that they painted or, or something that has thought and meaning and effort into it.
1: Yeah, something that's special and not just like cookie cutter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. And, you know, sleeping in, that's always a a good deal to be like, yeah, you just, the other parent or, I mean, now in my situation, there's, there is two other parents, right? My ex-husband's married to his new wife. And so, um, but now he's, they're expecting a child too. So he's on like double duty in terms (laughs) of the holiday (laughs) But it's also, it's not my day for my girls. It's, it'll be his week, but I'll get to sleep in and then I'll join them later in the afternoon. So I kind of get the best of both worlds.
0: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I get so to have that special you're, time. You're guaranteed to get to sleep in.
1: I'm guaranteed it's going to be good. <laughs> I'm looking forward for to it.
0: <laughs> well, I, I hope you enjoy sleeping in and yeah. um, that you have a good week or and a good week you know
1: and a good day a good week it's all great i do like the simplicity though that um anna jarvis had initiated with family or with mother's day sorry that she wanted um carnations to be worn and actually it started with her mother's passing and she went to the gravesite and kind of had like a, a memorial for the mother and they were wearing white carnations and so she thought giving carnations would be a really lovely gesture. And she actually started working with a florist. Eventually it kind of morphed into you would wear a white carnation or or give carnations or have them in your house for a mother that had passed away or a mother type figure. Of course it's going to expand into aunties and grandmas and special women in your world that act like mothers. And then if your mother was still alive, people ended up um, having red or pink carnations. And then over time, well I mean by 1920, this is when she gets disgusted by kind of the commercialization of the holiday. So it happened really quickly. And by the time of her death in 1948, she's completely disowned the holiday altogether. She's lobbied it to be removed from the calendar. And it's interesting to note how much, though, someone will spend on Mother's, on mother's Day. Do you have an idea,
0: Mike? Uh, more than people spend on Father's Day
1: probably i think so I, I didn't actually get the stats for father day father's day but when it comes up in june i will be on it we'll compare
0: <laughs> fair enough <laughs> but um, the average
1: canadian oh sorry you're gonna take a guess
0: no I, I was gonna say uh oh if we're we're talking canadian so let me do the exchange rate uh 225 <laughs> 225
1: maybe? Ooh, you 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 treat your mama nice. I don't In know. Canada, the average Canadian spends $111 on their mothers, making it the most shopped after event uh, after Christmas.
0: So it's like 75 bucks American. Okay.
1: Yeah. Sons <laughs> tend to spend more at about $123 and daughters at about $100. Uh, Americans, though, on average spend $205.
0: Okay. So I was, I, granted, I was somewhat joking by doing some Canadian inflation, yeah. but I, was not you're close yeah
1: yeah and i think it's interesting they said due to covid people have actually started spending more on the
0: mothers i could see that
1: yeah i think because people are realizing um you know
0: fragility of life
1: yeah and being a part and so making sure that their parents especially their moms know that they are extra special to them yeah yep so nice. it's, I was kind of shocked at the, I feel really cheap. I'm like, I don't <laughs> think I spend that much on my mother. <laughs> I,
0: I spent a lot on my mom last year. I got her, there was this uh, pot and pan set that she wanted that was a little mm-hmm. pricey. So I got her that last year. It's like she wasn't expecting oh, nice. it. Um, I haven't, as of, this recording, I have no idea what I'm getting her this year. But if if she says anything, I could be like, Well, you know, I just point to those pots of pans and be like, I did get you that last year. So last year. They were I, pretty good, mom. I that buys me a couple of years of having to get you something. <laughs> really I mean, not. maybe
1: if I added up all the like I have a few moms and mother like figures that I've purchased a gift for already. Maybe if I added it all up, it would it would add to that amount, if not a bit more. But yeah. just A single amount on one mom, no, I don't think I spend that.
0: (laughs) After all, she does for you, and she listens to the show, and she listens
1: to the show. I know she's Mm. such a good mama,
0: yeah. And she, because I'm sure
1: your mama's good too, yeah,
0: you know, she's she puts up with me so. I, I think that's the thing. As you get older, you feel the guilt for for like all the crap you pulled when you were a kid. So you try to overcompensate oh. with Mother's Day gifts. And once
1: you have kids, and they pull this stuff on you, and you're like, "Man, I owe my mom so much." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, but if you are a mother
1: and you are listening wishing you a very happy Mother's Day this week.
0: Yes, absolutely. And one other thing mothers get to do is they name their kids.
1: They do get to name their kids.
0: And that takes us to our next topic.
1: Yes, we are looking at a man by the name of Jacques Cartier. So uh, I don't know how many listeners maybe in America would know about Jacques Cartier or at least you might hear the name Cartier and think of diamonds.
0: That's what what I would have thought of if yeah when you when you first i gotta admit when we we're discussing what we were gonna talk about this week and you first said it i was like i gotta look this person up so i don't sound stupid because because you, you ever have one of those moments where you uh like somebody says something and they just say it so nonchalantly like you should know what i'm talking about and you're like mm-hmm. should i or am i just an idiot <laughs>
1: You're like, who is this name? All the time. I'm terrible with names. If someone says, oh, you know so-and-so in this movie, oh, okay. But if you just throw a name at me, I'm lost.
0: true. Gotcha. So tell us about Jacques Cartier.
1: Jacques Cartier. So in Canada, Jacques Cartier is one of the three big sea explorers that we learn about. Literal, like sea as in terms of the ocean and sea as in terms of the letter. Of course, Columbus and Champlain are two of the other ones that in Canada, we, we talk about quite a bit. But he is um, going to be the explorer that's actually kind of the reason Canada has its name. So he's going to be born in Oh, sorry.
0: No, I was just gonna say, well, I'm sure you'll get to it. But I'm just curious why Canada is not called Cartier.
1: Why it's not called Cartier? Well, he kind of didn't. Um, he wasn't super successful. As you're oh, going to find out okay. here as we talk about him. All right. But uh, the name Canada is actually, um, it's a Algonquin word, Kanata, uh, which is means village. Oh, okay. And Cartier, when he landed in the Quebec area of Canada, like now Canada, he was misinformed as in terms of what the name of the land was. Uh, the indigenous people were welcoming him to come to their village and using the name Kanata. And Ah. he's like, Oh, Canada. (laughs) And that's how we kept our name.
0: So you kept the name because he couldn't understand what they were saying properly. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: that's tend to be how, you know, ethnocentrism works.
0: Although I have to, I have to admit, I think I like, and maybe because I've just always heard it as Canada. I like it better as Canada than Kanata.
1: Right. There is uh, different areas that utilize that word, like in Ontario and Quebec specifically. You can go to Canada, which is just outside of Ottawa. So it's still the traditional name is still in use.
0: Hmm.
1: But yeah, it got anglicized um, and just now Canada sticks. So now the more you know, I feel like the star will go by. Right.
0: (laughs) I I think that's that's what's going on.
1: But uh, Jacques Cartier is going to be born in 1491, and he's going to have his first voyage. He had three voyages to Canada in 1534. Before he came to Canada and kind of explored uh, all along the St. Lawrence River and up into what is going to become Quebec, he had originally voyaged to the Americas, particularly down in Brazil, and then... um, King Francis I of France decided to send an, expo- an expedition north. Uh, this is all you know. There's cl- colonization happening. Britain's involved, Spain's involved, and, and France wants to get their kind of foot in the door. So he goes and he explores for a little bit, and he's going to travel to an area called Stadacona, and it's kind of the traditional name for the area around Quebec. And while he's there, he's going to hear the name Canada. And be like, oh, okay. He and his crew are going to stay over the winter, and they are basically decimated by the winter. Nobody was nobody was really expecting winter in Canada to be that cold,
0: <laughs> and
1: the indigenous people really saved their butts. But uh, they did lose quite a few. There was about a quarter of his crew ended up dying from scurvy and the cold and just being, you know, not set up for the for the weather and the conditions of living in this area. And also about 50 of the Iroquois, the many individuals are going to pass away from diseases carried by the Europeans. So he's going to basically try to kidnap the chief and different individuals of this clan and go back to France. And the chief says, no, how about you just take my sons and leave the rest (laughs) of us here? And they kind of do like an exchange like a barter of individuals so that they can leave. And they go back to France and he shows off these indigenous people to uh, the French courts and he returns with the sons. The sons actually survive the time over in in Europe and they come back and then he's going to, again, they're having a harsh winter. They're trying to survive. They interact with indigenous people. The indigenous people aren't really quite so happy with them anymore at this point. And, you know, Cartier thought, taking the sons back to France worked so well last time. But this time he actually does kidnap basically the chief, Donnacona and his sons and send other inhabitants of the village and they go to France and all of them, but one die right away. And none of the the surviving member of the tribe never makes it back to North America. They end up passing away in France. And it's going to be five years before he makes the third voyage because of war in Europe. So he goes back They have a terrible time. He comes back to the village and the whole tribe is gone. And we never know what happened to this tribe of individuals. Uh, We think maybe the rivals in the Mohawk nation may have taken over their encampment, but we have no real answers. And it's harsh, the winter's really brutal, they're starving, they're unhappy, they're not finding gold, they're not finding diamonds, so no diamonds here. And he decides to leave. He's supposed to wait. This is where you're like, why is a Canada named after him? Mm -hmm. He's supposed to wait for a a, a nobleman to join him. Whose name is Jean-Francois de la Roque de Robyvale. And he's commissioned by the King of France to set up a a colony. That is a mouthful. (laughs) Speaking of names, right? Right. It's like, wow, that mom really had a good name picked out. And uh, he just takes off. He doesn't wait for this guy. Mm. And On his way back to France, he stops in Newfoundland and actually ends up meeting Roboval and Roboval orders him back to, he's like, get your butt back to Quebec. And he slips away in the night and just abandons his post. Okay. (laughs) Right? Not super stand up, Cartier. And when he gets to France, he's loaded down with what he thinks is gold, but it's just fool's gold. And it turns out to be worthless. And the king of France is obviously very displeased with him. And the colony doesn't work out with uh, Roboval continues to go to Quebec and the colony doesn't survive. And it's actually going to take quite a long time before France invests in the new world again. And uh, so, yeah, it just it fizzled out and nobody was pleased. And he's going to die in his estate September 1st, 1557, just kind of like. Uh, nobody when he gets back to France.
0: Well, I was thinking because he brought all the fool's gold back, and it being France, he was going to the guillotine. So good for him.
1: That's true. It could have been worse for <laughs> could, him. Could have right? been a lot
0: worse. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Um, how do I get? This?
1: That's when he yeah. like history teacher Trish totally came out on that with some rambling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It was like. But... I'm so excited about Canadian history.
0: That's okay. That's how you teach us dumbass Americans about it. All
1: yeah. right. um... <laughs> There's more tidbits of information, but like you can only spend so long on it, and then you roll off.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah time for us to roll off to another topic at this point.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, We're talking, about,
0: we're talking things, about... And that's how Canada got its name.
1: Yeah, that's Say how that. Canada got its name. And so that's the story of Canada getting its name and France, you know, chilling out for a little while while colonization took place around the world.
0: There we go. Now we know the story of Kanata. 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 Mm -hmm. Do you know what the Tokyo Telecommunications Engineering Corporation is? Do I know what it is? Yes. No, enlighten me. You do. You just don't know it by that name. But on May 7th, 1946, the Tokyo Telecommunications Engineering Corporation was established by Masaru Ibuka. When he started a, uh, the previous year, he started a radio repair shop in the Nihonbashi area of Tokyo. And he later partnered up with a, a gentleman by the name of Aki Morioto. Or, or, sorry, Akio Morita, like uh Pat Morita from Karate Kid. Oh, Karate Kid. I was going to say, yeah. your pronunciation of Japanese is real good, my friend. See, see, get me right, I, so I grew up, of course, watching wrestling. And in the 90s, they used to have a lot of Japanese wrestlers come over. So I got to be pretty good at... I did at, not know that. I got to be pretty good at deciphering Japanese names. I'm not always going to get... Mm. Like, I can't speak it really well, but if you give me a name in Japanese, I can...
1: I was going to say, I think your Japanese is better than my French.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I could probably pronounce it. Uh, Anyway, um, so they go on to develop a Japan's first tape recorder, and they would go on to become, in 1958, they changed their company name to Sony.
1: Oh, okay. So this is why you said I knew it. Mm Mm-hmm. But then how did they get this name Sony? Like, is um, it an acronym for something?
0: Well, so they originally, when they first started to expand their company, they wanted to call themselves Tokyo Teletech, but they discovered there was an American company that was already using the name Teletech. So they're like, well, that doesn't work. So Mm -hmm. they, they came to the name Sony because it's a mix of two words. One is the Latin word Sonus, which is used for, sound and music it's like the Mm -hmm. root word that gets you sound and music Mm sonas and it was a common slang in the 50s for a young boy to be called Sonny. so and in japan Sonny boys was a word which meant like smart and presentable young men which they believed themselves to be so sony wound up becoming the name that's
1: such an interesting history of like one simple name of a you know, this multi, like, not multinational, multi-millionaire, multi-millions company. I can't talk today.
0: Multi-billion dollar company. Multi-billion dollar yes, company. as as we'll go on to discover, because <laughs> there's a lot of things that we get from Sony. Uh, and in oh, fact, so many. So many, like more than a lot of people even realize. And in fact, yeah. the fact that it was even named Sony was kind of, unique because it was not common for Japanese companies to use non-Japanese names like it was written as Sony. Uh, In fact, the principal at the bank that they used for a lot of their financing was not supportive of them calling the name Sony. He pushed for something like Sony Electric Industries or Sony Teletech, but they were firm. They did not want to be tied down to a particular industry. They wanted a generic name that works for anything. Like they didn't want to just be. Which is really smart. Right. And as you see later on, how Sony diversifies themselves in so many ways, it winds mm-hmm. up being the right move.
1: Yeah. Fascinating. So-
0: yeah, so among the products we get, thanks to Sony, they introduced the Umatic, which was the world's first video cassette format in 1971, but it was not feasible for the average person to use because it was so mm. high. They subsequently launched the Betamax format in 1975, which we'll get to that here in a few minutes because that's one of their significant products because that leads to the videotape format war of the 1980s between uh, VHS and Betamax, so but mm. which VHS was formed by JVC, right? Which was I did know
1: that because we used to have a JVC player, like and, the, the logo was on it,
0: mm-hmm. and JVC is Victor Company of Japan.
1: Oh, I did not actually realize it was also another Japanese company.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so cool. VHS, again, we'll get into this part of it a little bit. VHS, of course, takes over and becomes the predominant right. format. And we know VCRs would be a thing. Sony uh, used uh, introduced the Walkman as the world's first portable music player. So you know. You now, what color thing.
1: was your first Walkman? Because um, this is like a question. It's like, I had a teal and pink one. It was pretty badass.
0: I remember <laughs> having a yellow one. Oh, that's pretty cool. Because uh, there was like a period in the 90s where Sony started, you know, the 90, you know, 80s, 90s, we start doing these bright colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, and I remember I having just black. Yeah, I remember having a yellow one. That's pretty cool. Yeah, In fact, I still have somewhere in the attic. I still have a Sony. Uh, it's like a yellow, not like a full size boom box, but it's a tape player with like a couple speakers on the side.
1: Oh, and, yeah, yeah. My uh, brother uh, had that too. And it
0: has a handheld. So, like, you could walk yeah. around with this. Yeah. And put, I think, like, six C or D batteries, batteries in it. In and it. Then, yeah.
1: Still... <laughs> and have it last maybe half an hour.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't remember how long it lasts, but it, it would last for a while. I, I remember that. Uh, and then, of course, Sony's the next evolution in portable music players would become the Disc Men. Mm-hmm. So they had the I had one too. first portable CD player. I had that. Sony changed the industry standard Dolby Digital 5.1 surround sound. Mm-hmm. When they created the Sony Dynamic Digital sound, this actually was a 7.1 system of audio instead of just the six speakers that were being used for Dolby Digital. Sony was one of the leading developers of the original Blu-ray discs, Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Toshiba was the one behind... Do you remember HD DVD? Yep. This was yep. like a brief format war that we had in like the mid-2000s. And that mm-hmm. was the thing. Is HD DVD or Blu-ray going to become the thing? Because there's a period yep. where movies are getting released on both. And again, it's interesting. You have two major Japanese companies that are pushing these formats. Like Sony had Betamax. So Sony lost on Betamax, but they won on Blu-ray. So...
1: Because I remember when people were trying to debate, they're like, what do I buy? And I felt back like I knew one person who had um, totally jumped ship off of Blu-ray and invested their whole movie collection.
0: Oh, they, <laughs> the, they backed the wrong horse on that deal.
1: They, yeah, they did. Uh,
0: so, you know, the save icon that you see on any program, right? Like, like, a, the, little, like the
1: diskette icon? The,
0: yes, the three yeah. and a half inch diskette that there are kids now that don't even know what that is other than that's the save button right you can thank sony for those
1: oh they came up with that icon
0: no they came up with three and a half inch discs
1: oh diskettes oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: because at the time remember those big real thin like four inch or well, five and a quarter floppy disks yeah because i had
1: i had students the other day that were asking about diskettes and they're like oh what's a like what's a disc or a floppy or they were trying to say a floppy was a diskette and i was like whoa children no. Floppies and diskettes are two different things. And I had to show them images.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you felt old. And I felt real old. Have you ever heard of the original PlayStation?
1: The original? Like something before just PlayStation? hmm Well, no. In 1991,
0: there was going to be a PlayStation. And what it was going to be, it was a partnership between Sony And Mm -hmm. Nintendo, gasp! it was a add-on for the Super Nintendo system that would allow it to play compact discs.
1: Whoa, my mind's kind of blown a little bit.
0: (laughs) Uh, There was wound up being a disagreement over software licensing, so it wound up falling through. Sony would continue to kind of work on this concept and ultimately did, in 1994, launch the PlayStation. Right. Which was a disc-based format. For game right
1: i have such a fond memory of like playstation because i had uh my boyfriend in high school a little sister and she would always be like will you playstation with me <laughs> be like yes i will play with you <laughs> and i was <laughs> terrible at it i'm a nintendo girl through and through so
0: it in fact there just really was only a few years ago that a prototype of this actually Oh, they like, released
1: it so you could check it out.
0: Yeah, someone had one, and they it wound up like if you Google it, you can find it. Uh, so oh, it's, it's cool. kind of interesting to see. But sure enough, like the controller is branded with the word PlayStation on it. It looked look very similar to a Super Nintendo controller, except it had like multicolored buttons instead of the purple and like remember Great. how the Super Nintendo had like the, the two shades of purple? Yeah. On the buttons, so this was more of a multicolor layout.
1: Yeah. Oh, cool! Huh, of course, that's so crazy.
0: PlayStation led to PlayStation 2 and 3 and 4 Mm -hmm. and 5. And the most successful console of all time was the PlayStation 2 selling over 150 million units.
1: See, and that is the one I remember, like, everyone really going out and buying a lot.
0: Agreed. Like, almost everyone
1: had one. And I'm like, nope, I will stick with my Nintendo.
0: (laughs) I had one. I, I was... Okay, so I had Nintendo, then I had Sega, then I had Super Nintendo... Oh, you were real cool. You had Sega too. Uh, actually, I had my Super Nintendo before I had my Sega. Then I had PlayStation, and then I really stayed with that for a while. And then I got the PS Two, and I switched to Xbox for that generation. And then I got the Xbox One. Then I got a PS Four, and then I have now the PS Five. So I've kind mm-hmm. of bounced around a little bit.
1: I think it's good to be versatile in your gaming abilities.
0: Yeah, it yeah. is, and. Here's this number actually kind of surprised me as of the end of 2020. Because remember when the PlayStation 5 came out, they were very, very hard to get. Yep. Because of COVID and the pandemic, everything. They sold Mm -hmm. four and a half million of them. That's crazy. Which I didn't think they had sold or even made that many. And so it's on pace to do potentially. Don't know Mm -hmm. know, what the, the rest of the year is playing out, but it's on pace with the PlayStation 2.
1: So it could theoretically beat it.
0: It could, in theory, mm. but we'll see. And, of course, Sony does so many other things. They've got TV production companies. move. They bought movie studios, so on and so forth. So there's really a well, don't lot. Don't they even do,
1: like, washing machines or something? Hmm. Like, I thought um, there was some home appliances that they were also, like, had some of their technology in.
0: I think maybe you're thinking of Samsung. Samsung does washing well, machines. i have to double-check I don't know of a Sony washing machine.
1: I thought they had something. There was something. I'll research. But okay.
0: they're they're in so many different, in so
1: many different things. things.
0: They were one of the leading manufacturers behind lithium ion batteries and using them for commercial purposes. So they're getting into now the electric car business. So there's all oh, sorts of so they're
1: really expanding.
0: things that Sony has their hands in.
1: Yeah, a quick Google does bring up Sony washing machine. Okay.
0: I'm not saying they're not a thing. I just didn't know yeah. off the top of my head. And it's, it's possible because as I've just gone on about Sony for the last little bit here, there's so many things I may have just completely missed something in my research. <laughs> well,
1: that's, that's what, as soon as you brought up the fact that they're so versatile and in so many things, it's like, yeah, my brain started looking around it. And, but there is a, there is a Samsung washing machine. You're right. And a Samsung refrigerator.
0: Yeah, no, I knew but, I'd, I'd seen Samsung products before. Yeah. Because I had just got a new washer and dryer uh, last, like, January of 20. So okay. I, it was kind of fresh, somewhat fresh in my mind of all the different brands and stuff that are out there. But there's so many
1: things now that have electrical components that it's, you know, it shouldn't be surprising that these companies are are getting their different products within those, you know, facilities or machines. But
0: yeah, yeah. So I had mentioned the Betamax. So that was introduced on May 10th, 1975. So as I had mentioned earlier, the U-Matic system was the first tape recorder system that Sony Mm -hmm. had came up with. That came out in September of 71. And that was for commercial and professional television production use. And it just wasn't feasible for home. Right. The following year, Philips comes out with the VCR in 1972, and then in 1975, Sony came out with Betamax.
1: Like I remember how expensive those machines were too.
0: Oh yeah, the original VCRs you... were like a thousand dollars or something, which yeah, especially for the mid seventies, is a lot of money. It's That's a lot, a of, lot money. of money. It's even a lot of money today, but for something like mm-hmm. that, so you can see where it was not. It's like with anything with technology. Remember when HD TVs first came out? Oh at yeah, consumer level, yeah. how they were. You know, fifteen hundred dollars for like a thirty-inch mm-hmm. TV, and now you can get that for. You could probably find one on sale in a few weeks for two hundred bucks, if that. Yeah, right. You the know,
1: The amount of difference that can happen in over a few years.
0: You wind up having this big competition between VHS and Betamax, and so you know JVC, as I mentioned earlier, created the VHS, and mm-hmm. Sony actually appealed to the Japanese Ministry of Trade and in Industry about jvc creating the vhs because they were like no this this isn't good because we need to just all stick with one universal format this would be you know Mm -hmm. and they're like well no well the two of you have at it and let the people decide (laughs) free market decide pretty much and so we would go on to later have another format war kind of in the 90s between You know, LaserDisc, that kind of became a thing Mm -hmm. for a little bit. So there's been all sorts of different things. But the reason the VHS really wound up winning over Betamax was time. The lower retail price and the time that you could use on a tape. So originally Betamax tapes were only an hour. And VHS tapes originally were two hours. Right.
1: And I remember you could eventually get to that one programming where it was like, three hours was kind of a basic too. And then it just expanded to get a little bit more time too.
0: Yeah. So JVC's VHSs could do two hours and then RCA comes up with a four hour tape. And so Mm -hmm. this winds up becoming the big thing because people want to do, they want to be able to use, you know, you don't have to change tapes in the middle of a thing or whatever. You could record multiple
1: episodes of something or at least a full movie.
0: Exactly. RCA actually had discussions with Sony about ways to maybe try to work together to make Betamax tapes longer, but ultimately RCA felt that tapes need to be at least four hours because, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't record a football game on a two-hour tape, and so mm-hmm. it just, with the way the technology wound up working out, it VHS wound up winning out. Do you know what VHS actually stands for? Uh, well
1: i'm thinking video (laughs) yes Uh, the h holographic system close video
0: (laughs) home system oh because they were designed to be used for people's
1: homes that makes total sense now i feel like an idiot
0: there's a good piece of trivia (laughs) there you go
1: Hmm. my brain was going much more scientific home is much simpler.
0: And so we can now enjoy our movies on VHS. But if you want to know a good movie to watch, you can always go to Rotten Tomatoes and check the scores of these movies. That's true.
1: Now is it tomato or tomato?
0: I typically hear it's phrased as tomato here. Who has ever heard someone say tomato? I think the only maybe British? I would say maybe British, but the only other thing I could think of is literally when people do the tomato tomato thing like joke yeah. right with the phrase i don't know that i've ever heard somebody just cold say uh yes i'll have you know tomato on my burger
1: yeah i don't recall that
0: if you're calling heard. it if you're calling it tomato you're probably not eating hamburger
1: that sounds too fancy
0: although That's may true. is national hamburger month
1: Ooh, i do like that
0: yeah i've we should have so, to,
1: now we, uh, maybe next week we have to do a rundown of the top places like we did with our, our chicken.
0: Portions. That we could do. And we just had a, <laughs> we just had a new White Castle. We had the world's largest White Castle open here this week.
1: Oh, see, I've never had White Castle. You know I've what it is ever... though, right? What do you mean? Like the little burgers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've watched Cheryl and Kumar.
0: <laughs> okay. So, so you, you are familiar with, I had never had white cats cause they weren't in Florida until literally a few years ago. I was in Nashville and they had, they have them in Nashville. So that's the first time cause I've been to other cities and stuff, but they just never had one. But
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. yeah, this will have to, we'll have to plan that out
0: mm-hmm. anyway, but we do tomato. bring up
1: tomato, tomato because I found this, uh, you know, it's not like a, I, I don't think it's a super significant um, court, Supreme Court ruling, but I just thought it was really interesting that in uh, May 10th, 1893, the Supreme Court of the United States rules in Nix versus Hedden that a tomato is a vegetable, not a fruit under the Tariff Act of 1883, even though scientifically it is a fruit. So it's like, is it a fruit? Is it a vegetable? What do you think? I mean, they, they tell us scientifically it's a fruit.
0: I've always kind of believed it as a vegetable simply because of where it usually is when you go to the produce section, at least in the produce mm-hmm. sections here, because that's true. typically I find tomatoes usually near things like cucumbers or lettuce or something. Yep. It's whereas... not near the apples or
1: bananas. That's for sure.
0: Exactly. So And maybe that's just for aesthetic purposes. It just kind of stands out more. So that's why it's put there. I don't know. And I'm wondering
1: if it's like all the way back to this case in the 1800s, but John Nix is gonna be the founder of John Nixon Co um, Fruit Commission in New York City. And the company became one of the largest sellers of produce in New York City at the time. And it's one of the first companies to then start shipping produce from Virginia and Florida and Bermuda to New York. In 1883, I don't know why, but your president, Chester A. Arthur, signs the Tariff Act on March 3rd, requiring a tax to be paid on imported vegetables, but not imported fruit. I don't know, like, how much money this made or what the the distinction was, but apparently he makes this import fee. And the John Nixon company, uh, co-company, file a suit against Edward L. Hedden, who is the collector of the Port of New York, to recover back duties pay under protest. They argued against the tariff by pointing out that botanically a tomato is a fruit due to its seed bearing structure growing from the flowering part of a plant. So they argued the science of the fruit technically.
0: <laughs> okay. And
1: he wanted those back pay, the back, the back money back taxes. Um, At the trial, the plaintiff's counsel enters into evidence definitions of the words fruit and vegetables from various dictionaries. And then they bring in witnesses who have had, you know, 30 plus years in the produce business and ask them about their professional opinion on if there is any special meaning in trade or commerce uh, that is tied to fruit or vegetable. Like, is there a difference when you are talking trading produce in terms of talking about fruit or talking about vegetables and during the testimony um, one witness said that uh, the dictionary does not classify all things there but they are correct far as they go it does not take all kinds of fruit or vegetables it takes a portion of them I think the word fruit and vegetable have the same meaning in trade today as they had on March 1st 1883 I understand that the term fruit is applied in trade only to such plants or part of plants Uh, as contain the seeds. There are more vegetables than those in the enumeration given Whipster's Dictionary under the term vegetable. And then he goes, the witness goes on to like list a bunch of vegetables, which I thought was really funny. And the court unanimously decides in favor of the respondent and found that the tomato should be classified under the customs regulation as a vegetable, basically like how you said, based on the ways in which it's used and the popular understanding by the public that most people view a tomato as a vegetable, regardless if scientifically it's a fruit. So,
0: <laughs> I mean, I
1: just she's such a random lawsuit. I just thought it was so interesting yeah, with the it, Supreme Court. It this. is
0: because it's interesting in that, like, we don't have this debate with any other fruit or vegetable, at least that I'm aware of. I mean, nobody right, says, I don't think so either. No one says an apple is a vegetable. No one says a cucumber is a fruit. Mm-hmm. Is it maybe? Which I mean, isn't a
1: cucumber, it would be a fruit because it comes from the flowering part of a plant and it has seeds inside.
0: But cucumbers are always on the side where the vegetables are. I know, like, same with peppers. I see cucumbers <laughs> next to lettuce when I'm in the yeah. produce department. You know, oh. it's... Well, and you can't even divide fruits and vegetables in like things that are edible versus things you mix with. Like you you can put an apple in things, but you could eat an apple. Right. You can use lettuce for a salad, but most people don't just eat lettuce.
1: Right just like willy-nilly take a leaf off. Apparently a quick Google Google search does tell me a cucumber is also a fruit. (laughs) Well, there you go. I feel very confused and betrayed. Um, I think think it's interesting too, that in 2005, uh, supporters in New Jersey legislature actually cite this case as the reason for a bill (laughs) designating the tomato as the official state vegetable. So New Jersey's state vegetable, they have two actual official state fruits foods the first is the blueberry which was given the honor in 2004 and then the second is the jersey tomato which was given the honor in 2005 after this sighting of a court case
0: (laughs) and nobody outside of the state of new jersey cares
1: and and i guess nobody cares that they have two fruit as their state foods scientifically
0: but you know if there's one state that's going to do that it's probably jersey
1: (laughs) I hold no judgment. Anyone from New Jersey? I don't either.
0: I just, it's, I'm just playing into the,
1: just
0: playing (laughs) into the, you know, how there's the big difference between New York and New Jersey and stuff. Although ironically it's, it's funny because most of a a lot of the major, well, not a lot of, but like the New York Giants and Jets, the football team. Mm -hmm. Okay. They play in New Jersey.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Like their football stadium. Is in, is in New, Jersey. New Jersey, you know, not New York.
1: Right. Oh man. So. That's funny. Tomato, tomato,
0: mm-hmm. New York, New Jersey. <laughs> and that debate can bring uh, some people, especially depending on which side you fall on into a fit of rage. And that can cause you to transform
1: Oh, from, physical manifestations from Bruce Banner.
0: To the Incredible Hulk.
1: (laughs) I mean, the Hulk could smash quite a few tomatoes. Just saying.
0: He could. He could smash the whole tomato plant. Yeah. And I don't just mean the plant growing out of the ground. I mean the plant where they process the tomatoes. Like, he could just go smash the whole building.
1: (laughs) It's gone. Decimated. Seconds.
0: And on May 10th, 1962, the first issue of the Incredible Hulk comic was published created by Stan Lee and artist Jack Kirby. Did you know what the original color for Hulk was?
1: I feel like I know this. I had a coworker that t- talked to me about the price of ink and how so many comic books tended to use a lot of green and yellow because the ink was cheaper. So I, I, I don't actually know maybe the original color scheme for the Hulk, but I kind of know why it's green. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go with like, he should have been, well, I mean, if you're talking about anger issues, you would think red.
0: You would think red. That was not it. Oh. Uh, Stanley chose gray. That because... he was actually
1: supposed to transform into a big gray hulk.
0: Yes, because he huh. wanted a color that did not suggest any particular ethnic group or, or anything. So gray, of course, oh, is a very like neutral that. color. Mm-hmm. However, the problem was different shades of gray. So... the the way the way the printing was and the ink like Mm -hmm. if you didn't they found gray to be a very inconsistent color to achieve right i bet it could come
1: out like way darker or way lighter exactly depending on the process Mm. so
0: after the first issue they wound up changing his skin color to green
1: so the very first comic that came out he's actually gray
0: yep so like (gasps) if if you wow
1: whoever has that comic book
0: Mm -hmm. cha-ching Throw it in your Google machine, Incredible Hulk issue number one, you will see that he is gray. So the inspiration for the character was he was a combination of Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, because that's where you kind of get the split personality Mm -hmm. sort of thing.
1: Yeah, that would make sense. I did a quick Google.
0: You're you're, you're <laughs> it's very it. it's, interesting. It's blowing your mind seeing a gray it's Hulk. It's blowing
1: my mind. And then they it looks like they reissued it with him in the green.
0: Yeah, they've since reissued it since then. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's its kind of interesting that it was originally gray. Do you know how big the Hulk is? I mean, if we go by
1: the MCU, he's quite large and in charge. Right.
0: And people, you know, it's kind of you really don't have much to go on to figure how tall he is. But Bruce Banner is about 5'9", okay. roughly. And the Hulk is about 7 to 8 feet. Somewhere between 7 and 8 feet. I so would have actually guessed larger. Right, because as you said, like in the MCU or something, he is significantly larger yeah. than people. He seems to be more maybe like 9 or 10, or maybe even a little bit taller than that. But yeah, right. 7 to 8. Yeah. Although, I think, mean, as we discussed in one of our early episodes about the world's tallest man, even somebody that's seven or eight feet tall is They're significantly taller tall. than the average yeah. person. Yeah. But what does that is not um, quite ramp up the scale is his weight. He's believed he weighs between 1, 1,000 pounds, which... Oh,
1: my goodness. At, so 1,000 at like 8 feet tall, he's a big yeah. dude.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where you're going to get some... Y- you could do some damage if you're Hulk smashing some stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true.
1: So Yeah, no, I would have actually guessed... I don't think I would have guessed as heavy, and I definitely would have guessed taller. So that's really interesting. Agreed. Mind <laughs> you, we all know I'm bad at math, so...
0: Well, at least I didn't have you convert anything this week.
1: that is true thank you i appreciate it
0: you are welcome (laughs) and we appreciate you for joining us on this week's episode of the time machine and if you didn't make it to the end of this episode i'm gonna call my friend dr bruce banner and have him come over and dump a bucket of gray paint on you oh but since you made it to the end i will have him come dump some green slime on you how about that
1: That oh very. what was that television show
0: uh double dare
1: Yes, double dare. We talked about that not too long ago too.
0: Yeah, we talked about the Nickelodeon that back on yeah. the week of April 1st. So that oh, was probably like episode 14-ish or something.
1: Yeah, just go back through all the icon- yeah. uh,
0: archives, you'll find it. It's in there. I think Nickelodeon's <laughs> even in the episode title if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah.
1: And as always, if you have any questions, concerns, queries, or freakouts for us, you can find us on Instagram at the time machine with Trish and Mike. Our email is the time machine with mike at gmail.com you can throw that title into youtube and find us please 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 hit subscribe help us get an official name (laughs) on youtube or if you want to be a part of our show you can go into uh, anchor find our show with the same name and leave us a voicemail
0: yes do all of that and come back here next week for another exciting thrilling interesting and many other adjectives episode of the Time Machine.